0: Volume six, chapter eight of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Amanda Hindman. Cecilia, Memoirs of an Heiress, by Frances Burney. Volume six, chapter eight, a conference early the next morning cecilia had a visit from lady honoria who came to tell her story her own way and laugh at the anxiety of mrs delvile and the trouble she had taken for after all continued she what did the whole matter signify and how could i possibly help the mistake when i heard of his paying for a woman's board what was so natural as to suppose she must be his mistress especially as there was a child in the case oh how i wish you had been with us you never saw such a ridiculous sight in your life away we went in the chaise full drive to the cottage frightening all the people almost into fits out came the poor woman away ran the poor man both of them thought the end of the world at hand the gipsy was best off for she went to her old business and began begging I assure you, I believe she would be very pretty if she was not so ill, and so I dare say Mortimer thought, too, or I fancy he would not have taken such care of her. Fie, fie, Lady Honoria! Will nothing bring conviction to you? Nay, you know there's no harm in that, for why should not pretty people live as well as ugly ones? There's no occasion to leave nothing in the world but frights. I looked hard at the baby to see if it was like Mortimer, but I could not make it out those young things are like nothing i tried if it would talk for i wanted sadly to make it call mrs delvile grandmama however the little urchin could say nothing to be understood oh what a rage would mrs delvile have been in i suppose this whole castle would hardly have been thought heavy enough to crush such an insolent brat though it were to have fallen upon it all at a blow thus rattled this light-hearted lady till the family was assembled to breakfast and then cecilia softened towards delvile by newly excited admiration as well as by the absence which would separate them the following day intended by every little courteous office in her power to make her peace with him before his departure but she observed with much chagrin that mrs delvile never ceased to watch her which added to an air of pride in the coldness of delvile that he had never before assumed discouraged her from making the attempt and compelled her to seem quiet and unconcerned as soon as breakfast was over the gentlemen all rode or walked out and when the ladies were by themselves lady honoria suddenly exclaimed mrs delvile i can't imagine for what reason you send mr mortimer to bristol for a reason lady honoria that with all your wildness i should be very sorry you should know better by experience why then ma'am had we not better make a party and all go miss beverley should you like to join it I am afraid it would be vastly disagreeable to you cecilia now again was red and white and white and red a dozen times in a minute and mrs delvile rising and taking her hand expressively said miss Beverley, you have a thousand times too much sensibility for this madcap of a companion i believe i shall punish her by taking you away from her all this morning will you come and sit with me in the dressing-room Cecilia assented without daring to look at her, and followed in trembling upstairs. Something of importance, she fancied, would ensue. Her secret she saw was revealed, and therefore she could form no conjecture but that Delville would be the subject of their discourse, yet whether to explain his behaviour or plead his cause, whether to express her separate approbation or communicate some intelligence from himself, she had neither time, opportunity, nor clue to unravel all that was undoubted seemed the affection of mrs delvile all that on her own part could be resolved was to suppress her partiality till she knew if it might properly be avowed mrs delvile who saw her perturbation led immediately to subjects of indifference and talked upon them so long and with so much ease that cecilia recovering her composure began to think she had been mistaken and that nothing was intended but a tranquil conversation as soon however as she had quieted her apprehensions she sat silent herself with a look that cecilia easily construed into thoughtful perplexity in what manner she should introduce what she meant to communicate this pause was succeeded by her speaking of lady honoria how wild how careless how incorrigible she is she lost her mother early and the duke who idolizes her and who marrying very late is already an old man she rules entirely with him and a supple governess who has neither courage to oppose her nor heart to wish well but to her own interest she has lived almost wholly lately indeed she has come more into the world but without even a desire of improvement and with no view and no thought but to gratify her idle humour by laughing at whatever goes forward she certainly neither wants parts nor discernment said cecilia and when my mind is not occupied by other matters i find her conversation entertaining and agreeable yes said mrs delvile but that light sort of wit which attacks with equal alacrity what is serious or what is gay is twenty times offensive to once that it is exhilarating since it shews that while its only aim is self-diversion, it has the most insolent negligence with respect to any pain it gives to others. The rank of Lady Honoria, though it has not rendered her proud, nor even made her conscious she has any dignity to support, has yet given her a saucy indifference whom she pleases or hurts, that borders upon what in a woman is of all things the most odious, a daring defiance of the world and its opinions. Cecilia, never less disposed to enter upon her defence, made but little answer, and soon after, Mrs. Delville added, I heartily wish she were properly established, and yet, according to the pernicious manners and maxims of the present age, she is perhaps more secure from misconduct while single, than she will be when married. Her father, I fear, will leave her too much to herself, and in that case I scarce know what may become of her. She has neither judgment nor principle to direct her choice, and therefore, in in all probability the same whim which one day will guide it will the next lead her to repent it again they were both silent and then mrs delvile gravely yet with energy exclaimed how few are there how very few who marry at once upon principles rational and feelings pleasant Interest and inclination are eternally at strife, and where either is wholly sacrificed, the other is inadequate to happiness. Yet how rarely do they divide the attention! The young are rash, and the aged are mercenary. Their deliberations are never in concert. Their views are scarce ever blended. One vanquishes, and the other submits. Neither party temporizes, and commonly each is unhappy." The time, she continued, is now arrived when reflections of this sort cannot too seriously occupy me. The errors I have observed in others I would fain avoid committing, yet such is the blindness of self-love that perhaps, even at the moment I censure them, I am falling, without consciousness, into the same. Nothing, however, shall through negligence be wrong, for where is the son who merits care and attention, if Mortimer from his parents deserves not to meet them?' the expectations of cecilia were now again awakened and awakened with fresh terrors lest mrs delvile from compassion meant to offer her services vigorously therefore she determined to exert herself and rather give up mortimer and all thoughts of him for ever than submit to receive assistance in persuading him to the union mr delvile she continued is most earnest and impatient that some alliance should take place without further delay and for myself, could I see him with propriety and with happiness disposed of, what a weight of anxiety would be removed from my heart. Cecilia now made an effort to speak, attempting to say, certainly it is a matter of great consequence, but so low was her voice, and so confused her manner, that Mrs. Delville, though attentively listening, heard not a word. She forbore, however, to make her repeat what she said, and went on herself as if speaking in answer not only his own but the peace of his whole family will depend upon his election since he is the last of his race this castle and estate and another in the north were entailed upon him by the late lord delvile his grandfather who disobliged by his eldest son the present lord left everything he had power to dispose of to his second son mr delvile and at his death to his grandson mortimer and even the present lord though always at variance with his brother is fond of his nephew and has declared him his heir i also have one sister who is rich who has no children and who has made the same declaration yet though with such high expectations he must not connect himself imprudently for his parental estate wants repair and he is well entitled with a wife to expect what it requires most true thought cecilia yet ashamed of her recent failure she applied herself to her work and would not again try to speak he is amiable accomplished well educated and well born far may we look and not meet with his equal no woman need disdain and few women would refuse him cecilia blushed her concurrence yet could well at that moment have spared hearing the eulogy yet how difficult she continued to find a proper alliance there are many who have some recommendations but who is there wholly unexceptionable this question seemed unanswerable nor could cecilia devise what it meant girls of high family have but seldom large fortunes since the heads of their house commonly require their whole wealth for the support of their own dignity while on the other hand girls of large fortune are frequently ignorant insolent or low-born kept up by their friends lest they should fall a prey to adventurers they have no acquaintance with the world and little enlargement from education their instructions are limited to a few merely youthful accomplishments the first notion they imbibe is of their own importance the first lesson they are taught is the value of riches and even from their cradles their little minds are narrowed and their self-sufficiency is excited by cautions to beware of fortune-hunters and assurances the whole world will be at their feet among such should we seek a companion for mortimer surely not foreign for domestic happiness and delighting in an elegant society his mind would disdain an alliance in which its affections had no share cecilia colouring and trembling thought now the moment of her trial was approaching and half mortified and half frightened prepared herself to sustain it with firmness i venture therefore my dear miss beverley to speak to you upon this subject as a friend who will have patience to hear my perplexities you see upon what they hang where the birth is such as mortimer delvile may claim the fortune generally fails and where the fortune is adequate to his expectations the birth yet more frequently would disgrace us cecilia astonished by this speech and quite off her guard from momentary surprise involuntarily raised her head to look at mrs delvile in whose countenance she observed the most anxious concern though her manner of speaking had seemed placid and composed once she continued without appearing to remark the emotion of her auditor mr delvile thought of uniting him with his cousin lady honoria but he never could endure the proposal and who shall blame his repugnance Her sister, indeed, Lady Euphrasia, is much preferable. Her education has been better, and her fortune is much more considerable. At present, however, Mortimer seems greatly averse to her, and who has a right to be difficult, if we deny it to him? Wonder, uncertainty, expectation, and suspense now all attacked Cecilia, and all harassed her with redoubled violence. Why she was called to this conference she knew not, the approbation she had thought so certain she doubted and the proposal of assistance she had apprehended she ceased to think would be offered some fearful mystery some cruel obscurity still clouded all her prospects and not merely obstructed her view of the future but made what was immediately before her gloomy and indistinct the state of her mind seemed read by Mrs. Delville, who examined her with eyes of such penetrating keenness that they rather made discoveries than inquiries. She was silent some time, and looked irresolute how to proceed. But at length she arose, and taking Cecilia by the hand, who almost drew it back from her dread of what would follow, she said, "'I will torment you no more, my sweet young friend, with perplexities which you cannot relieve. This only I will say, and then drop the subject for ever.' when my solicitude for Mortimer is removed, and he is established to the satisfaction of us all, no care will remain in the heart of his mother half so fervent, so anxious, and so sincere, as the disposal of my amiable Cecilia, for whose welfare and happiness my wishes are even maternal. She then kissed her glowing cheek, and perceiving her almost stupefied with astonishment, spared her any effort to speak by hastily leaving her in possession of her room undeceived in her expectations and chilled in her hopes the heart of cecilia no longer struggled to sustain its dignity or conceal its tenderness the conflict was at an end mrs delvile had been open though her son was mysterious but in removing her doubts she had bereft her of her peace she now found her own mistake in building upon her approbation she saw nothing was less in her intentions and that even when most ardent in affectionate regard she separated her interest from that of her son as if their union was a matter of utter impossibility yet why cried cecilia oh why is it deemed so that she loves me she is ever eager to proclaim that my fortune would be peculiarly useful she makes not a secret and that i at least should start no insuperable objections she has alas but too obviously discovered has she doubts of her son no she has too much discernment the father then the haughty impracticable father has destined him for some woman of rank and will listen to no other alliance This notion somewhat soothed her in the disappointment she suffered, yet to know herself betrayed to Mrs. Delville, and to see no other consequence ensue but that of exciting a tender compassion, which led her to discourage, from benevolence, hopes too high to be indulged, was a mortification so severe that it caused her a deeper depression of spirits than any occurrence of her life had yet occasioned. What Henrietta Belfield is to me, she cried, I am to Mrs. Delville, but what in her is amiable and artless, in me is disgraceful and unworthy. And this is the situation which so long I have desired. This is the change of habitation which I thought would make me so happy. Oh, who can choose, who can judge for himself, who can point out the road to his own felicity, or decide upon the spot where his peace will be ensured? Still, however, she had something to do, some spirit to exert and some fortitude to manifest mortimer she was certain suspected not his own power his mother she knew was both too good and too wise to reveal it to him and she determined by caution and firmness upon his leave-taking and departure to retrieve if possible that credit with mrs delvile which she feared her betrayed susceptibility had weakened as soon, therefore, as she recovered from her consternation, she quitted Mrs. Delville's apartment, and, seeking Lady Honoria herself, determined not to spend even a moment alone till Mortimer was gone, lest the sadness of her reflections should overpower her resolution, and give a melancholy to her air and manner which he might attribute, with but too much justice, to concern upon his own account. End of chapter 8 Recorded by Amanda Hindman in Glen, Mississippi. www.livinginbooks.blogspot.com